all right everybody welcome back to another week of this week in finance a podcast by financial friends and hosted by the one and only me <laughs> welcome back everybody thank you very much for tuning in to this week in finance this week we have a ton of exciting news we have some talk about nfts some talk about warren buffett disney um unfortunately health crisis unfortunately um boeing Petco, Elon Musk is in the news, Google, Spotify, Walmart, so stick around, listen to it all. If you're listening on Spotify, iTunes, or Apple Podcasts, rather, Google Podcasts, or any other service, thank you very much for tuning in. Consider at some point, or when it is convenient, hopping over to YouTube so you can see my beautiful face, that is sarcasm, um, and come and see the articles, see my animated hands and me talking, and me sometimes stumbling over my words. You're welcome to continue to listen wherever you are, but we would appreciate if you'd join us on YouTube and get a little bit better of an experience sometimes. Sit down, grab some popcorn, and relax. We're trying to grow this YouTube channel, so if you are watching on YouTube, definitely go ahead and smash that like button. Subscribe for more content like this. And without further ado, let's go ahead and get right into it. First things first, Mark Zuckerberg at South by Southwest says NFTs are coming to Instagram. This makes sense. Twitter is doing it. Everywhere is doing it. NFTs are popular, put them on your platform, meta, metaverse, it all lines up, right? Really, this just makes sense. I think this is a natural evolution and progression, especially with Facebook completely changing their name to meta and being involved in the metaverse and this sort of web three futuristic next generation of internet and technology. It makes sense that this would be something that they move into. Now, It does seem like they're going to be dipping their toes completely under the water. I think rather than just kind of dipping them in, the reason for that is it seems like they're going to kind of make a little bit bigger of a push into this whole NFT thing. And rather than kind of being surface level, like, hey, by the way, your picture is just going to have a blue check mark or some sort of certification next to it. um, This might be something where you can literally create or, you know, store all your nfts or maybe there's some type of purchasing thing on here um it looks like it's going to be a bit bigger of a thing than you know some some form of surface level just your nfts now verified i think this is very interesting again like i just mentioned i think it's a natural evolution and progression with everything that's going on with the business of meta and creating a metaverse and putting people in this world um tokenizing or these nfts of everything is going to be possible at some point or another, verifying that you own this skin, this one of 100, this customizable, this, that one or the other is going to be, I think, a status symbol and something that's going to be a lot more important than it is at the moment or has been in the past. So we'll see. Status symbols have always been a thing. People always love to flex and kind of show you know, what they have and what they own. Um, but this is just going to be a whole new wave of internet flexing, considering we're now going to be able to verify that what you actually have is what you have versus some, versus some six-year-old posting a Rolex um, that he screenshotted from Getty Images and posting it on his Instagram. So that's the next wave. No more fake flexing. Warren Buffett, the next story, he's always in This Week in Finance. I think I should just put him in the corner of every single thumbnail at this point. Warren Buffett ends his drought with a purchase. I'm going to butcher this name. Um, Allegani went ahead, purchased Allegani. It's an insurance company, right? You don't even need to know the name of it. It's an insurance company. He finally deploys some of his $146 billion of cash and cash equivalents that uh, Berkshire Hathaway has 
buys another insurance company that I'm sure is just going to cash flow. He bought it for about $850 a share, um, $848.02 to be exact, representing a 25% premium. There were a few other companies. Well, there's a phase in which um, they can kind of entertain some other offers. Berkshire and Warren Buffett do not like to be in those talks, so it seems as if this will close um, an $11.6 billion purchase of yet another insurance company. Disney, a little bit of heat, a little, little bit of a flame going on here. This has been going on for a while. Um, Bob Chappick and Bob Iger. Bob Iger used to be or um, was the former CEO of Disney. He went ahead and made a sudden announcement that he was stepping down leaving way for Bob Chappick. Well, this relationship has got, quote, from CNBC, extremely awkward because Iger kind of tried to allow this transition or this very slow step off of CEO, something that Chappick did not want to happen, and he did not like that. Um, He, I think, really is a little bit maybe power hungry and kind of wanted that power, didn't really like the fact that Iger wanted to wean him off of it because you're moving into a pandemic. These are untested waters. Um, this happened obviously back in 2020 and Chappick was not happy about that. Iger was like, look, I don't want Disney to fall apart. We're going to stick around. That doesn't necessarily mix well. Chappick has not been 100% welcomed in by Disney, um, by their employees. He went ahead and kind of centralized the budget with one of his like right-hand men, kind of gave a lot of power to this specific gentleman, and uh, that didn't go over well with a lot of different people. You know, taking money away or the ability to show profit and losses and really flex or, or use your own budget to the full potential is really a key factor for a lot of these people, and taking that away from them is not the best thing, and it did not win employees over. Also, the way he has handled the recent recent controversy um, with the Florida bill and everything that's going on with that. Again, I don't like to get super political, but um, and again, I'm not taking stances or I'm not being political. I've been told before, just you know, state your case and just kind of whatever. But I just want to let this know. This is a finance podcast. I don't really get into all the politics stuff. Anyway, that did not win him over more of his employees as well. There's been some recent controversy and walkouts regarding that. Uh, they both have agreed and kind of did agree that they do want a more digital uh, future for Disney. This is more what I want to talk about. This is more what I want to focus on because Disney Plus is going to be big for them going forward. Hulu and ESPN Plus are going to be big for them going forward. There's been some talks, some people saying that, oh, maybe you should move off of ESPN. Maybe you should really nail in this you know, entertainment side of things. I think that sports and owning ESPN is a massive asset and something that Disney has said before. They are not willing to move away from, and I don't think that they should. I think that's a, I mean, sports is a, sports is a huge, huge business, and owning the largest sports broadcaster of all Um is a huge asset to the business, a huge asset to the company. Now, moving forward, navigating which movies or how to release movies in movie theaters at the box office or whether to just release it on your exclusive Disney Plus platform, I don't know. That's going to be very, very difficult for them to decide, especially when they're trying to to attract talent, which Bob Chappick has already, you know, made some boo-boos with some really big people in the space. Obviously, the whole issue that happened, um, I think it was with Black Widow, and I'm thinking, oh, Scarlett Johansson. I was going to say, I I thought I forgot her name. I was going to be like, that's terrible of me to to forget her name. Um, He made a bit of a splash with her releasing the movie 
right? On Disney Plus, I, I point this way. There's a television that way for for those who obviously no one can see in that direction. It's it's just me. But um, you know, releasing this movie on Disney Plus, the box office is how a lot of these people make money. And when you don't release in the box office, or when you don't put it out there, or you it's in a contract and it's signed, then it says it's going to be released um, in box offices and exclusively to box offices, and then you just drop it on your Disney Plus platform doesn't win over talent and actors, which is what you need when building a multi-billion dollar entertainment business. So moving forward, this is going to be difficult. There does seem to be a little bit of light at the end of the tunnel, allowing Chapik to kind of settle into his role. Things are moving in a good direction. Um, you have the parks doing very, very well, although I don't think that the stock price is really reflecting that at the moment. There has been some other controversy as well that I'm not going to quite bring up um, in this episode of This Week in Finance, but Disney seems to be in the hot seat. They are a massive, massive, massive company, have been forever, one of the biggest entertainment companies in the world, and they form and shape children in our childhood, and they shaped mine, and they shaped yours probably watching. So I think Disney's going to be around for a long time. I'm not too sure that this or any other controversy is really going to be too big of a damper on things. It's just going to take time and it's going to give me some more time to acquire more shares. Speaking of something that could be bad for Disney, the illness is back in town. And, um, you know, a lot of things going on overseas in Europe and such with things spreading, I'm going to be straight up and I'm going to be straightforward and honest with you. I don't think that this is going to affect anything. I really don't. Um, obviously everyone who has been affected by this, which is everybody at this point in the world, for the most part, everyone pretty much in the world, everybody in the United States for sure has been affected by this, but I think we're past it. And why I think we're past it and why I think we're moving forward is not because of the health reasons. This is still a very serious health cause, but it's the news. The news has a lot of other things to cover right now, a ton of other things to cover. And I don't think that this is going to be on the top priority. It seems like this has been just like NFTs kind of quiet recently. I haven't heard a lot about NFTs. I haven't heard a lot about this. And this is really just starting to make news as of late. Again, this new version, this new variant seems to be a lot more transmissible, but not as severe. We've seen this over, excuse me, the course of these variants get a lot more transmissible and a lot less severe. So we hope and pray that everyone out there stays safe, but I'm not too sure that this is going to affect things. It might affect markets a little bit, but there's a lot affecting markets right now. And I'm not too sure that this is something we can easily place as a reason why the market is up, down, left, or right. This is something that's new, and I'm very excited to talk about this. Big food automation making its way to Main Street's menu, aka Chipotle is testing a robot chip maker. And no, not microchips like tortilla chips that you dip in your guacamole and your queso and you eat them. This is going to be big. You also have smaller restaurants testing out these self-ordering kiosks. You have other places testing out robots, as you can see in this picture, that track inventory. The food industry is one that historically has not seen a ton of technology in it. I think for most people in the world, those machines that like squirt out the different kinds of Coke, fantastic. That was the best technology you've gotten food in a long time. And <laughs> that just made me laugh. I'm not going to lie. But really, those Coke machines are like fantastic. Coke Freestyle, I think it was called. Fantastic. Um, you know, but like raspberry and your Sprite and stuff. 
I don't drink pop and I haven't for a while, but when I did, Raspberry Sprite, on point. Anyway, moving forward. You've also seen technology um, in mobile ordering and loyalty programs and apps. Companies like Starbucks and McDonald's utilizing the full force of the app. McDonald's a little more late to the game, to be quite honest with you, but um, a lot of loyalty or rewards points being awarded with people you know, using their phones and scanning order ahead. Obviously, throughout the course of the pandemic, Starbucks utilizing their order ahead feature. People can come in, boom, grab that coffee and leave or pick it up through the drive-thru. That was a big driver for them. But there hasn't been innovation in like actual food production, okay? So the creating of chips via a robot. Smaller businesses having self-order kiosks, that's new. You've seen them in McDonald's. You've seen them in some other places. But this is going to take pressure off of these businesses. Rising costs of wages are a massive damper on these businesses. They have to pay a ton of people. And food is not the highest margin. And you can't be out here getting tomatoes for two bucks and charging $10 for some tomato and cucumber salad or something, right? Margins have to be relatively slim and to afford to pay people to make the food, prepare the food, serve the food, whatever it might be. As those costs go up and inflation rises and the cost of your food goes up, you have to make some choices. And those choices are being made to introduce technology, which has become exponentially cheaper over the coming years, or over the past years, I should say. This has quoted um, that 17% of respondents in the accommodation and food cited labor shortage as the biggest risk to their business, and the fact that people cost more to employ now is, again, a massive, massive factor. I am very curious how this will play out in regards to people potentially, and I hope not, but potentially losing their jobs. The food industry employs a lot of people. Um, Grocery stores, Target, Walmart, which will be brought up later, so stick around for that. They employ a ton of people, and if inventory can be tracked via a robot, and robots can put more things on the shelves, or robots can take people's orders, and robots can prepare the chips and the food, where are all the people going to go? And these are people who will need to be, if this is like their priority and not a stepping stone um, in terms of, you know, their their work position, if this isn't a stepping stone job for them, they're going to have to be retrained, go back to school, or be shoved into some other industry. And when we really think about it, I mean, let's put this into perspective, and this is not discriminatory, 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 I, wow, towards anybody, but... Where is everybody that works at McDonald's, Wendy's, Taco Bell, Qdoba, Chipotle, Subway, Quiznos just popped into my head, Jersey Mike's. If robots replace a mass majority of those jobs, where those people, when displaced, where are they going to go? Where are they going to go? And for most areas, that's the lowest entry-level position is working at a restaurant. Where are they all going to go? Banks which is what I work at a credit union, I'm being replaced at some point as a teller. Where am I going to go? These are entry-level positions. And when those entry-level positions get eliminated, where do those people go? It's going to be a massive problem if that ever does happen. Obviously, it's not going to snap your fingers overnight. Everyone's jobless. But slowly but surely, things will start to unfold. People will start to lose their positions. They will be displaced. And new jobs will have to be either created or people will have to fight for 
the positions that are there, become retrained, become better educated, and find spots somewhere. And it's going to be difficult. But for the businesses involved in purchasing, let's say, a, I think there's a stat in here somewhere about the cost of a kiosk. Yeah, there we go. Costing $14,000 for two kiosks that can take that A, increase the average ticket size from $19 to $21, but eliminated a $14, $15, or $16, $17 an hour employee. That'll pay off in the long term. Two kiosks replaced two cashiers, essentially, at $14,000 total. And I guarantee those people made around fourteen to fifteen or more thousand dollars a year. So they just saved, let's say, thirty thousand dollars. Well, in labor costs, paid fourteen thousand for the robot and saved about fifteen thousand dollars. Plus it increased ticket size by two bucks, what they're making on every single meal. Unfortunately, just the way that things are moving. This is also uh, something that is, is not good. Um, and is a very sad story. A Boeing 737 passenger jet crashed in China with 132 people on board. I'm going to take a sip here. This is terrible news. Um, first and foremost, obviously, my thoughts, prayers go out to anybody whose family was affected. Um, and this is just sad overall. This has been brought up a lot recently um, because a lot of financial events, unfortunately, have been tied in uh, with the loss of life. And that's not good no matter what way you spin it. Loss of life is never good. And moving on from everything that has to do with you know the actual airplane crash itself, Boeing shares the creator of the airplane that went down. Um, it was They were down, where is that stat? Here we go, 3.5% um, Monday, as well as the Spirit Aerosystems, which is the company that makes their, their fuel, fuel silages. That's a little bit of a tongue twister when you're trying to talk fast. Was also down roughly 3.5%. Boeing has been struggling as of late with three consecutive years of losses, and a lot of that due to manufacturing issues. You can see down here, reported three annual losses in a row in $5.5 billion in basically poor manufacturing. So, I don't know. This is one of those companies when you think of flight, when you think of airplanes, you instantly think of Boeing. Mm, I don't know. (laughs) <laughs> okay. Um, they've had a lot of issues, a lot of issues as of late. And it's just, it's not a company that I would look at at the moment. I mean, with them being in the news so frequently with them not making money, doesn't add up to me. So again, this is a terrible thing, but it's showing that right now Boeing is not being able to produce. Now, again, you're making so many airplanes over the course of how long you're bound to have issues, but three consecutive years of not making money and of actually losing money is not good combined with the fact that a lot of that money is because you are not making airplanes well. This is something that is interesting. This has to do with diversity in the workplace, which is obviously a positive thing. Diversity brings new viewpoints, new ideas, um, new experiences. It, It generally benefits everybody to have people around them who are different than them, who look different than them, who think different than them, And I just thought this was really interesting to share with all of you. So if, again, I've mentioned this a few times, you are listening and not viewing this podcast, hop on over to YouTube, take a look at this graph. It's very, very interesting. I'm pretty much going to read it word for word because I don't have too much to really, um, you know, take away from this graph. I just wanted to share it. So it shows which companies are disclosing the current gold standard, which some companies have came out, specifically uh, Target, 
has kind of said, you know what, it doesn't really reflect everything perfectly, but these are 86 members of the S&P 100, so the top 100 largest companies, reporting their sort of diversity, right? Utilizing this graph, they've either shared it publicly or directly to Bloomberg, and then there's two that didn't provide the 2020 data, those two being McDonald's and Target, but all these other companies have. Now, 14 of them haven't, five of those 14 have said we will do it, but we just haven't yet. And among big names of the group who's not going to do it or has said they won't, Berkshire Hathaway, who says basically it's too simple for such a complex business like us, and Tesla, who basically said, yeah, we're good. We don't, we just don't want to. So Target is again, one of the companies speaking out against it, kind of just saying, look, it doesn't really do a fantastic job, but diversity is always good. These are the companies that are reporting some of their diversity with the quote unquote gold standard. Just thought it was interesting and wanted to share it. Something I do have a little bit more thoughts on. The Petco CEO says that their company's growth is inflation proof because Americans are buying a lot of stuff for their pets. Like I said, if you have a goldfish or a dog or a cat or like really any pet and you just think of, okay, where do I have to go to get it food or like toys or something? I don't really know who gets their fish toys. That's besides the point. But if you're going to get your dog like or cat or lizard, or anything, supplies, you're probably going to Petco, or you've at least probably been to Petco, or seen a Petco, or been in a Petco. So this company just came back public in 2021, and this is their first release of information. They basically said, look, we're going to do okay through this high inflation time, because people are spending a lot of money. Petco's also built out its veterinarian, or sort of like, you know, manicure side, or training side of its business, and it also is offering more private label, more organic, more things for those, you know, highfalutin people to purchase for their pets. Um, My mom, who might be listening upstairs, maybe not listening here though, buys our dog a lot of stuff. His bed is very expensive and it's very big. And I think she got it from Chewy, which again is another big pet company. But I've been looking at some some pet stocks recently. Pretty interesting space, to be honest, because a lot of people own pets and a lot of people don't want to treat their pets poorly. Something we've spoke about on this weekend finance previously, which go listen to some other episodes at the end of this video, link below or above if you haven't before. But We've, we've spoken about how when inflation and when hard times come, what goes first, right? What, what's the easiest thing you can cut from your budget, from your spending, whatever it might be. And we've talked about streaming services and music services have been very easy cuts for people. It's very easy to go on your phone and hit cancel on Disney Plus or Apple Music or any of these other little subscriptions that you have. It's not so easy to stop taking care of your pet. At least you're a terrible person if you do. Unless you're giving it away or, or, you know, whatever it might be, in which case, hopefully it goes to a good home. But everyone's going to take care of their pets. So if the price of dog food goes up, you still got to buy your dog food. So I, I agree with him. I think it's really interesting. I think, like I've said before, I think a lot of things is interesting. Am I going to look into investing in a Petco and a Chewy or something like that? I don't think so. I don't necessarily think that for me, 
it makes perfect sense. I think that businesses that are semi-limited by this, I mean, Amazon can just as easily sell almost all of the stuff that's going to be sold at Petco, except for the live animals. And I would not be surprised if they do that at some point, but it just seems like there's some really other massive companies, like I said, Target, Walmarts that are going to sell similar things, and then Amazon that can basically ship you anything and you don't even need to leave. So it doesn't make sense for me at this point long run, but if you can keep pace with inflation, maybe stock away some money in this stock, it might be a good look for you. Not financial advice, but take a look at Petco, take a look at Chewy, interesting companies, especially because they are going to be inflation-proof or so, the Petco CEO says. Elon Musk is a happy gentleman, and he is dancing. They are looking to see the Berlin factory that just went up. I'm not even going to try and pronounce the name. I'm just going to call it Gigafactory Berlin or the, the, the new factory in Berlin. But he wants that, um, the, that new factory to produce 500,000 vehicles a year. It's not doing that right now. It just opened, and it's slowly going to ramp up production. But a big problem with Tesla, and it's a fantastic problem to have, is they don't have enough cars for the amount of people that want them. They lead the league, so to speak, in charging network, which is big. They also lead the league in brand and status and luxury for reasonable prices, considering Lucid looks like it has some really nice cars. I watched a Meet Kevin video on it, but um, he spent basically a house on his car. He spent $180,000 getting that car. Um, Yeah, that's a lot of money. But anyway... This new factory right in the middle of Germany, which German engineering has been a big thing. He mentioned that, like, obviously we want to be in this space and be in this atmosphere. Fantastic design and and art in Berlin and in Germany. So we want to be there. We want to have our engineering done there as well. There are some people who are a little concerned with the amount of water that could potentially be utilized by this factory. I have not looked into that whatsoever, so I don't really have a stance or opinion on it. What I do know is this is good for Tesla, and they're not having enough vehicle problem. Something else that has to do with vehicles and driving and being on the roads and living in Michigan and hitting a lot of potholes is the Department of Transportation has announced that there will be $2.9 billion in grants to both states and cities. I think that Michigan needs this and we need to take asphalt or whatever it is. And when the winter and the cold weather and then the rain and then the snow comes back and massive holes get put in the road, we need to fill those big potholes up because I literally am playing like Frogger, like whatever, I don't know, dodge the pothole um, on the road. It's It gets bad in Michigan. Leave a comment down below where you're from if you feel comfortable sharing um, and how the roads are wherever you are at. Anyway, this got me thinking, obviously this is good for the economy, right? More jobs, more spending. This is going to take a while to kind of, you know, get its gears going and, and, and turn in and really develop and potentially help curb inflation with increasing, you know, the amount of jobs available, et cetera, et cetera, whatever. That's more of the economic style stuff. Not really here for that. What I am here for is Caterpillar. This really got me thinking about Caterpillar. What are we going to do when we need to build infrastructure? We're going to use construction vehicles. Now, this is not a lot of money in the grand scheme of things. There's a lot of money that goes to infrastructure and and building child transportation and upkeep of roads and, and things like that. Obviously, we're pushing a lot of money there at the moment, but there is a lot of money that is constantly going that direction anyway. So this isn't something that's new. just got me thinking. What do we need when we build stuff? Trucks and excavators 
and all those other vehicles and steamrollers. Who makes them? Caterpillar. Okay. This also got me thinking about, and this is a little tidbit for everybody who's going to tune in next week on Tuesday to a YouTube video on financial friends with the dividend journey. So tune in, you're getting a little sneak peek of what it's going to be about. Got me thinking about John Deere. Two very interesting companies with semi-similar construction um, sector ties, but John Deere has the agriculture side and Caterpillar is way more on the construction side. We're going to talk a lot about those in the video on Tuesday, so I don't want to ruin too much, but this got me thinking about it. And it also got me thinking about with Russia and Ukraine and everything going on with that conflict, what is going to happen to the United States when we decide and we have decided that we want to become more independent of everybody else. We want to have things done on our turf. We're going to build a lot of things in the United States. Not that we haven't already. We have. But we'll continue to increase our infrastructure and maybe pay a little bit more attention to made in America, by America, um, you know, in America. We're going to need Caterpillar or John Deere or both to do that. And especially when it comes to food and agriculture that's a little bit of a hint for that video stay tuned on financial friends to hear more about that but that'll be a big topic and i think that agriculture uh, is something that's going to see some some innovation over the long term over the next 10 to 15 years as in the environment unfortunately starts to break down um, and you know climate change and things and the weather and the the more intense storms and things like that continue to happen we're going to need to find some new solutions to become more sustainable more innovative and more long-term oriented to make sure that we can keep things around for longer and uh, agriculture is going to play a huge huge role in that and john deere will as well moving forward google will let spotify add in-app billing on androids now I want to preface this with, I was kind of confused when I read all this, okay? Because at the moment, you go on Spotify, you purchase your whatever it might be, if your, your subscription, if you're running that subscription through Google, there's a fee. And there's a big fee, up to 30% fee, which is big. Apple, same exact thing. What Google is allowing Spotify to do is say, hey, new or new Spotify user, come sign up for our platform. You can either pay through Google or pay directly through Spotify. I don't think to the user, it like what's the difference? We don't care. If it's five bucks a month, that's five bucks a month. I'm just going to pay them the money or 10 or whatever it is. But for Spotify, they're going to want to incentivize you to purchase directly through them because they're not going to incur such a large fee. And that was the key to me there they're still going to incur a fee if they're paying on the phone directly to spot. It's weird, but there's still going to be a fee. At least that's according to, to this. But what it does do is it's going to be less of a fee and it sets Google apart from Apple. And that's to me the big point and the big takeaway here is Google has a inferior or a worse app store. In general, in my personal opinion, I think that the Apple App Store has a ton of massive apps. Apps run better on iPhones a lot of times. Obviously, a lot of times apps have to be specifically developed for iOS. However, Google is giving a little bit of leeway to Spotify and potentially they've mentioned some other businesses as well. 
this is going to be a big separator for Google, especially with the controversy going around with Apple and their App Store and Epic Games, the maker of Fortnite, and the way that they've basically said to Epic Games, yeah, no, no, we're, we're going to take big chunks out of everything. And Epic Games has said, yeah, no, no, we're just not going to be on your platform then. And they pull the game. So Google, look out. And look out for Walmart, who is suing BJ's Wholesale Club for stealing its self-checkout technology. If you're not familiar, that Sam's Club, a subsidiary or a you know a smaller little spin-off subsidiary version, whatever, of Walmart, um, a wholesale. So Walmart is its own thing. Then they have a wholesale store called Sam's Club. And at Sam's Club, you can take items pick the item up, scan it, put it in your cart. Then you can pay for it and just leave. You don't have to wait in line. You don't have to go through your own type of self-checkout and scan everything. The way that Sam's Clubs work is before you leave, you have to show a receipt to the person who's kind of like waiting at the door and they will take a look at your receipt and like check a few of the items. I think in the past it used to just be like an eyeball thing and they would like smiley face your receipt i think now they actually have to scan your receipt with like a little gun and then scan a couple of the items to make sure they line up but what happens is you present them a code they scan it off your phone this is at least how it worked the last time i was there i think and then they picked a few items and they pop 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 they scanned them right from inside of our cart and they made sure okay yeah like your payment went through you can leave two thoughts about that first off very very innovative and very quick and easy for the user. It's the same experience. I still have to have my stuff checked by someone anyway before I leave the store. But it means you got to pay someone to stand there and check everyone's stuff because you're either going to rely on a person to check it, which is paying someone, or you're going to rely on humans to be honest. And that's just never going to happen. Flat out. You already know someone's going to sneak a little couple oranges in their stuff or put an extra box of cereal in there and maybe just not scan that one, whatever it is. So you want to make sure people are being honest and you want to make sure you're getting the money for the products you've put on the shelves and leaving it up to humans to be honest. It's just not going to happen. You're not going to get people to do it. So you got to pay someone for this. Now, that being beside the point, supposedly BJ's just ripped off the idea and Walmart claims that because you know they had patented this technology or whatever it was, um, that, that this was stealing. I don't know too much about the, the true real story behind it. Um, I just saw the headline and honestly was really excited to talk about something like this. They say that the innovations were taken without permission. I mean, it really just scanning something, but companies like Walmart, who's now offering this through Walmart Plus as a feature for Walmart shoppers and Sam's Club is able to really set themselves apart from other businesses with this technology. That's the reason they want it protected because they don't want you to be able to do this at BJ's. They don't want Costco to innovate or to add this to their repertoire. They don't want Target to have the same feature because if something like this, especially in the times we're in with potentially the illness coming, you know, coming back again for another wave, uh, if you want to get in and out of a store quickly, if you're in a time crunch, if you just want to be more effective with your life, they don't want you to be able to go to Target or Costco or BJ's or any other location for that matter. So this is interesting. 
this is something to keep an eye on. I'm going to hopefully be able to find the the end of this. Who knows? I mean, this could take years for them to settle or something. I have no clue. But it sets Walmart and it sets Sam's Club apart. So will it stay? Or will BJ's just be like, no, we're just going to use this. And then Target introduces it in Costco. And then everybody has it. And it no longer is a competitive advantage for Walmart. We'll keep our eye on it. That has been This Week in Finance. Thank you all for listening. Let me know down in the comments, along with the state that you're from and how their roads are, if you like this episode, what story you found the most entertaining or the most interesting. If you ever find articles or stories or anything that you want me to cover on This Week in Finance, leave it in a comment in a YouTube video. Shoot it to me on Financial Friends YT on TikTok or on Instagram or on Twitter and let me know. I'll definitely make sure it gets involved. I hope that you all have been enjoying all these This Week in Finances. I have a ton of fun doing them, recording them, filming them, kind of just kicking back and relaxing. It's about 10 o'clock at night. I'm just talking some finance, so it's really fun. Thank you for listening. Thank you for viewing. Thank you for hearing everything that I have to say and listening to me blab. I hope that you all have a fantastic day.